Dagon's Illusion, Episode 13, Joshua. Misery, black, ugly, and vile, crept in around the edges, gnawing like a worm. Dagon grunted and gnashed his teeth. That he knew he was gnashing his teeth made him furious. He was waking up, and he didn't want to wake up. With it came the realization that his head was pounding. More loathsome awareness. His body ached and he was soaking wet. He was wet because he was lying in water on top of something that softly squished with the slightest movement. He hated being wet. Then came an onslaught of reeking stench that made him gag. Was he in a sewer? And what were those damnable sounds? Screaming and jangling. His eyes flickered open. Lightning flashed. He was lying on a floor somewhere, and something heavy was on his chest. Near his head sat a jagged shape, another flash. It was a piece of broken furniture. The screaming was the wind, but the jangling? A few yards away lay a huge chandelier and a broken heap. The wind was fluttering the pieces. He tried to lift his head and groaned. He knew where he was. He was lying near the staircase on the main floor of the mansion. The thing on his chest was a piece of wall. When he tried to shove it off, a stab of pain made him gasp. Probably broken ribs. If he moved, maybe a shard of bone would pierce his lung and he would drown in his own blood. When the storm ended, Ellie would find his bloated corpse flopped in a pool of sewage and she would not be pleased. What would she do? Probably cremate him and pour his ashes down a toilet. The astounding Dagon would conclude his strange career by entering the river of feces that flowed ceaselessly beneath New Orleans. He couldn't die, not this way, lying in a watery cream of crap. But the specific process for staying alive eluded him. If he moved, he might gurgle up blood, and if he didn't move, he was going to drown in sewage because he could feel it slowly rising. As the minutes passed, the lightning flashes were more infrequent, but the wind blew harder. He was overcome with weariness. Maybe he should just go to sleep again, a short little nap that might last forever. As his consciousness faded, he hoped that Ellie would put a plaque over the toilet that received him. But suddenly his eyes jerked open. Down the hall there was a light, jiggling, jerking, swinging back and forth. He squinted. Was it another dream? No, it was a flashlight, and he thought he saw a vague form. Then the light focused on him. Slowly the figure drew near, then it bent down. The light shone in Dagon's eyes, and a voice yelled, Hey, you dead! If you're dead, ain't gonna spend my precious time messing with you. So if you're not dead, you better let me know, because I ain't sticking around. Dagon let out something between a moan and a gurgle. Oh, crap, you're alive. If you was dead, it'd be a whole lot easier. But no, do I get it easy? Never. I guess I gotta do something with you. If I leave you here, you're gonna drown in New Orleans gravy. Come on, let's get your butt up, sewer boy. Pushing away the section of wall, the man tried to pull Dagon into a sitting position. This brought a bellow of pain. Yeah, I know it hurts. Probably broke your neck and I shouldn't move you. Imagine you're going to be a multiplegic, plopped in a wheelchair the rest of your life. Too damn bad. Sue me. Let's get your ass off the floor. Come on, move. You expect me to do all the work? 
Ignoring Dagon's yells and curses, the men dragged him to his feet, then hoisted one limp arm over his shoulders. Okay, we gotta climb as high as we can go. You got an attic? Hope you do, cause there's a flood coming. Dikes are gonna break, sure as hell. You know, you're a lot fatter than you look on TV. Can't you make your legs work at all? Dagon managed to stumble a bit on his own. What's more like it? Obviously you ain't paralyzed, so keep moving. With excruciating slowness, they stumbled up the first flight of stairs, and with every step the man griped. Hell, if this ain't just the way I knew it was gonna be. Remember what I told you, Lord? Don't send me down here. Don't make me do this. But do you ever listen to a dang thing I say? Ha ha, you do not. Not no way, not no how. Wasn't my life nasty enough without hauling a half-dead piece of French fried fecal matter on my back? Up the second staircase they groped, then up the third, and the complaints didn't stop. What if I'd have said no? What if I'd have just said ain't gonna do it? Big trouble for me. Big, big trouble. Make Jonah's whale look like a fish casserole at a church potluck. No telling what kind of monster would have swallowed me. I'd, I'd be sloshing around inside a huge gut right now. Which, come to think of it, might be better than this. Anyway, here I am. I'm doing it. But I ain't happy about it. No, sir. Finally, they reached Dagon's apartment. Okay, where's the attic? Bleary with pain, Dagon stared at him. You deaf? I said, where's your attic? Over there. He motioned weakly toward a door at the back of the room. Together, they stumbled toward it. Pulling it open, the man shined his flashlight up a long, narrow staircase. Well, don't that look just delicious? Okay, here's the deal. I'm pooped to St. Peter, and that's too skinny for two guys anyway. So if you're going to get up there, you're going to have to move your own butt. You got that? All right, let's haul. You go first. After several agonizing minutes of crawling and creeping, they flopped into a huge storage room. The stranger dragged Dagon to a couch and with a grunt dropped him. Then he fell exhausted into an overstuffed chair. Good Lord, what did I do to deserve this? My karma must look like a garbage truck full of dead cow parts. You better hope the water don't get this high, cause we got nowhere else to go but onto the roof, and I ain't going there, cause I suffer from fallophobia. So just pray it stops before it hits our shoes. But you never know with these apocalyptical kind of activities. And New Orleans has been begging for the mighty hand of judgment to fall since the first frog crawled out of the swamp. And I do mean frog in the broadest sense of the word. Given that the good Lord likes to take his time when he's thoroughly destroying something, I'm going to bet we'll be up here for a while. He shined his flashlight around the room. Half the attic was filled with boxes and furniture brought from below. The other half was crammed with stage magic illusions. Stacked side by side were mysterious cabinets and cages, garish boxes and steel frames with colorful curtains. There was even a collection of real guillotines. Would you look at this? Everything we need to put on a first-class freak show! His light fell on three director's chairs. In each sat a bizarre puppet with its head cocked and eyes staring. One was a rat-faced dog, the second a clown so ugly it would give children nightmares, and the third a witch that bore a striking resemblance to the dying woman in the canopied bed. Leaning against the dog's chair was a sign. See the mysterious mind-reading puppets your future revealed for one measly buck. Now there's something you don't run across every day. Always wanted to have a puppet tell my future, but brother, are they stinking ugly. Whee-oo! What do you use them for, to torture little kids? 
On second thought, I don't want them creepy things looking into my mind. No, sir. Shining his flashlight on Dagan's face, he leaned close. Speaking of ugly, I gotta say you don't look much better than that ratty dog. Not that you was beautiful before, mind you, but now you got a broken nose, nice set of contusions, probably got your brains a little concussed, and one of your pupils is kinda hinky. But since you made it up all them stairs with no bloody bubbles spewing out of your nose, I'd estimate there's nothing serious wrong with you. And hey, you may look and smell like toasted poop, but I ain't looking so gorgeous myself. He turned the flashlight onto his own grinning, bleeding face. Dagon stared in amazement. Was this a dream? In the light grinned the same middle-aged African-American man who had been the butler in his nightmare vision. But now he was dressed in the clothes of a very modern homeless person. The man's grin widened. Look like you see in a ghost. We haven't been formally introduced yet, have we? Name's Staples, Joshua Staples. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Mr. Robert Dagan. Grabbing Dagan's limp hand, he shook it vigorously. Then he turned and stared at the puppets. Struggling to his feet, he lurched over and shined his light in the old woman's eyes. Bending down, he yelled, Go ahead, you nasty old witch! Read my mind! What am I thinking? The puppet glared back in stony silence. Come on, say something! Ha ha! Can't do it, can you? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Something as ugly as you ought to be in hell. Dagon sat hunched over, struggling to put together the fragmented pieces of reality that were crashing in his brain. Staples turned and looked at him. How do you make these things work? What? How do you get them to read your mind? They need electricity. Electricity? You mean they don't do nothing till somebody plugs them in? There are no strings to pull to make their mouths flop around? What kind of lazy-ass performance is that? Like my daddy always said, if you spend time with brilliant folk, you're going to learn new ways to get lazy. And he was right. Here I am, thinking in the old ways that call for work. You hadn't set me straight, I'd have just stood here like a dumbass looking for strings to pull. Suddenly Dagon's headache was much worse. The man's voice began to echo and blur. Speaking of electricity, did you know there are mathematicians who think the whole universe is one big monstrostical orchestra? Everything from the farthest star to your smelly toenail is made out of tiny little strings, and what we call reality is just a vibration like music from a violin. Now take this filthy-looking puppet here. He shined his light on the old woman. Maybe all the statues and idols and puppets that we carve in this world are really monsters alive somewhere else, and they come singing uninvited into our brains. Ever heard of DMT? Dimethyltryptamine. It's a kind of excretory soup cooked up in your pineal gland. But when you give somebody huge squirts of it, you know what happens? It blasts them into weird places that ain't in this world. Like you enter the nuthouse of the universe where all the crazies are in control. I kid you not. A scientist tested that crap with a government grant. That's where our tax dollars go, right up somebody's nose. Anyway, you know what people saw when they got shot up with DMT? Little machiney clockwork elves, that's what they saw, and clowns, lots of clowns. As Dagon stared at the babbling man, everything was appearing less and less real. Just think about it. You go to all the trouble of traveling to another dimension, and what's it full of? A thousand bozos. You could go to Washington and see that. Hey, those lamps work? 
He pointed his light toward several antique oil lamps clustered on a table. I, I don't think so. So no oil in them? Dagon could barely shake his head. Forgive me if I don't fully trust your opinion, since we just had this little disagreement about puppets. Think I better check for myself if you don't mind. Going to the table, he stuck the flashlight under his arm and pulled a cigarette lighter from his pocket. Lifting one of the globes, he put flame to a wick. The lamp sputtered, then started to burn. Now, will you look at that? How do you expect me to trust your view of the universe when you don't even know about your own lamps? The tiny flame filled the attic with dancing shadows. He lit another. This one's oiled up, too. Excellent. Hey, anything to eat up here? I'm starving. Maybe, maybe some canned food. The thought of food made Dagon's stomach lurch. Where? With a groan, he waved toward a corner, under, under the rainbow. In a far corner, an odd rainbow was painted on the wall. Under the rainbow! That's very poetical. I like that. Under the rainbow, there's always a pot of gold. Shoving between the boxes, Staples made his way over to it, then started rummaging. What the heck is this? Under this freaking rainbow, there's spam, and it's all spam. You mean to tell me that's all you got up here? Someone who works for me, that's, that's all he'll eat. Please, I don't want to talk anymore. This is very disappointing, Mr. Robert Dagan. I expected better of you. You run a four-star restaurant and your attic's full of spam. However, though I am gravely disillusioned, I will accept this as a gift from heaven to teach me humility. Unzipping a lid, he dug in with his fingers, pulling out a hunk of meat, which he stuffed into his mouth, letting the juice run down his grizzled beard. As he walked back, he chewed with great deliberation. Mmm, what delicate flavor. They say Polynesians love Spam because it tastes like people. Reminds them of their good old cannibal days. Care to join me? He waved the can under Dagon's nose. Dagon threw up. Concussion soured your stomach, has it? Well, you'll be all right in the morning. Just got to check your eyeballs every two hours. Of course, if something goes wrong and you flop around in some kind of seizure, ain't nothing I can do about it. You'll just have to croak. Dropping into the chair, Staples scooped out another hunk of Spam. You know, I saw you once on Leno. It was that crazy ice thing. You weren't half bad. Say, how the heck did you do that? He grinned. Come on, you can tell me the secret, because by morning, we'll probably both be dead. Dagon groaned and retched again. The Tonight Show with Jay Leno Script transcribed from the guest appearance of Robert Dagan and presented as evidence in his murder trial. Fade in. Interior, the Tonight Show set. Jay Leno is seated behind his desk looking into the camera. Well, my first guest this evening is a world-renowned mentalist and master of a thousand escapes. Straight from 30 days lying on his back in Times Square, please welcome the astounding Dagan! The crowd goes wild. Jay rises. The camera turns toward the entrance. But instead of walking in, Dagan is wheeled on stage, frozen in a block of ice. The block is rolled to him, and Jay stares down at it. Inside the block, Dagan looks as though he's in a permanent cataleptic seizure. For the past 30 days, the astounding Dagan has lowered his temperature and stopped all bodily functions. And as you can see, it worked. There's no yellow ice. Jay knocks on the ice above Dagan's face. Mr. Dagan, can you hear me? Though his mouth doesn't move, Dagan's voice whispers over the PA system. 
I can hear you, Jay. You're talking, but your lips aren't moving. I'm a mentalist, Jay. I'm speaking to you with my mind. <laughs> and you can do that over our PA system. Amazing. Is it chilly in there? It's a block of ice. So what happens now? Isn't your bladder getting sort of full? I'm going to raise my body temperature so high that it will melt the ice in less than 60 seconds. Is this going to make a mess? You might want to get a big towel. Let's do it. Start melting. Maybe Kev can play us a nice melting theme. While the band plays, the camera focuses on Dagon. Suddenly the block begins dissolving at an incredible rate. It's like a waterfall. In a minute, it's thin enough for Dagon to crack through and sit up. As the audience cheers, he climbs off the cart. The astounding Dagon, everyone! Jay reaches out to shake hands, but Dagon pulls back. I can't shake hands yet, Jay. Why not? Dagon holds out one finger. Touch the tip, but be very careful. Cautiously, Jay touches it and jerks away with a yell. Yow! You're burning hot! I'm serious. It's like fire. How do you do that? I can't really tell you. It's a gift I acquired as a child. Must have shocked a few pediatricians. I bet you didn't do well with rectal thermometers. And look at this. There's water all over my stage, but you are totally dry. It's the body heat. Come on over, but I'm afraid to ask you to sit down. Are you going to scorch my furniture? Jay walks to his desk. Dagan follows, but remains standing. That's exactly what would happen. Okay, I've got to see this. Go ahead, do it. You want me to sit down? What's a $5,000 chair between friends? Go for it. All right, but don't say I didn't warn you. Rather gingerly, Dagan sits down and lays his hands on the arms. After only a few seconds, the leather starts smoking. Dagan lifts his hands. His prints have burned into the chair. Look at that. I'm sorry, Jay. Sorry nothing. You're going to sign the thing and I'm going to sell it on eBay for charity. The audience cheers. Come to think of it, maybe you could burn more furniture. Heck with charity, NBC needs the money. But why don't your clothes burn? As hot as you are, you ought to be buck naked. They're made of special material, but I'm cooling fast now. It's safe to shake hands. He extends his hand to Leno, who stares at it. You sure about this? I hate it when guests burn me. No burns, just a little warm. They shake hands. Uh, you're still warm, all right. Now, I understand that while you were frozen, you had a lot of time to think and you saw visions of the future. Suddenly, Dagan is serious. I did see some things. Any worldwide pandemics or other natural disasters? I'm afraid I saw several of our great cities damaged by massive hurricanes. Which ones? That wasn't clear to me. It's just the way it works sometimes. And when will all of this stuff happen? I'm not sure of that either. Jay stares into the camera and purses his lips. All right, how about election results? Did the Democrats ever win the White House again? Oh, sooner than you think. While you were frozen, what was the strangest thing you saw? An odd look comes to Dagan's face. Do you really want to know? Is there a reason why I shouldn't? Was it Conan O'Brien taking over my show? It couldn't have been that horrible, was it? Nothing like that. All right, then, let's hear it. A famous professor at one of our leading universities has made a discovery that could destroy us all. And within the next six months, he will be murdered because of it. Jay stares at him for a moment, then turns to the camera. I think it's time for a commercial, and when we come back, it's Alan Butterworth and his trained monkeys. Fade out. The following redacted file was obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. 
FBI Task Force Special Investigations File 21138-AB. Subject, Robert Arthur Dagan. Known aliases, none. Criminal record, convicted of murder in the first degree, Illinois Northern District Court in Chicago. Mr. Dagan was sentenced to life without parole at the USP Supermax in Marion, Illinois. Conviction currently under appeal. Subject has no other criminal record. Case summary, largely redacted. This case is rather unusual for several reasons, including redacted, 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 nature of the victim's work, redacted. The case was tried in federal court. The victim was kidnapped, transported across state lines, and murdered in a ritualistic fashion reminiscent of the occult. The victim, Dr. Rupert Chernin Mellinger, was a theoretical physicist with the University of Michigan. There is no known personal connection between Dr. Mellinger and Mr. Dagan. Following Mr. Dagan's bizarre performance on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, in which he predicted that a prominent scientist at a great university would be murdered, he claimed to know the man's name but would not reveal it on television. He also claimed to have seen the murderer in his vision of the future, but declined to reveal that as well. His claim was not taken seriously at the time for obvious reasons. The Bureau had never considered Mr. Dagan anything more than an entertainer who performed magic tricks, some of which, while complicated or dangerous, were nonetheless illusions. After security tape showed Mr. Dagan entering the victim's building the night of the kidnapping and physical evidence linked him to the crime scene, he became the primary suspect. His resulting conviction and sentence was a satisfactory outcome. However, his remand to the USP in Marion, Illinois, was an overreaction in this office's opinion. Mr. Dagan was an escape artist who utilized trickery and illusions and posed no threat of escape from a standard penitentiary. Addendum. Mr. Dagan's appeal was heard and his conviction was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court in Dagan v. the United States. Subsequent retrial in the Illinois Northern District Court was not pursued by prosecution. Although there being no statute of limitations on murder, they may decide to retry Mr. Dagan at any time. This office believes the decision not to retry at this time was motivated by the tremendous publicity generated by Mr. Dagan's so-called escape from the USP in Marion, making a conviction unlikely and an untainted jury pool virtually impossible to seat. While our investigation has come to no conclusions, it is our opinion that during the three hours he was gone, Mr. Dagan never actually left his cell. The explanation and testimony of the warden, guards, and surveillance monitors notwithstanding. The remainder of the report is redacted. Written by Coordinating Personnel, Marilyn Clausen and Arnold Silverman.